The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. We're about to do Luke 24, verse 30 to 36. I believe the, uh, the scriptures on the screen. Amen. I'm about to read with you. And here we go. One, two, three. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was no, recognized at the by end. them when he yes. broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. That's my prayer for you. God bless all who read this word. This is supposed to be the birthday of the church. This is the celebration of the fact that, uh, that what Jesus came to do, he did. It is finished. What he came to do with us and to get us started on our mission has been complete. And so today we're going to be reflecting. If you want to follow along this week, um, in which I hope that the teaching today will set your mind in a direction. If we're going to be basically summarizing the end of the Gospel of Luke and the end of the Gospel of John in hopefully 15 minutes. So let me just share this with you. But I want to start out by just saying, Happy Birthday Church. This is not just the celebration of a church that's over 2,000 years old. This is also a day that we are celebrating the fact that uh, the Gallery Church is about... 10 years, 11 years old, that we've been called the gallery in the city of Baltimore. I'm grateful for that, very excited about that. And I'm also super excited to see um, the Oseowusu family in the back, um, to not believe that they actually came to church and they just got married, praise the Lord. All right, go ahead and stand up, E.K. and James, come on, in the back row. There we go. Husband and wife right there, baby. All right. It is our desire that we say something today that will help us focus through all the distractions of this environment. This is just beautiful. I wish we could just take the rest of our time together and just look around and kind of maybe feel for a moment that the Lord is not done with us yet, that there are people that we are in step with, that we do are not alone in this life, people that look differently, act differently, speak differently, come from all different types of backgrounds, but yet... Because of Jesus, we can have a day like today. So as a pastor, I just want to stand back and just say, smile, let's take a picture. Let's treasure this up, almost like Mary holding baby Jesus, treasuring him up in her, his arms, her arms and looking at him deeply. I would love for you today to take a deep breath and look at each other and realize that we are not alone. We have the family of God. But I need to get right to the point. So I've already wasted two minutes. So now my 15 minutes starts. But here's, here's the point of today. Peace on earth starts in our hearts. Much like a seed needs to go into a dark place 
in order to produce fruit, so is the life of you and I following Jesus. Just like a baby starts in a mother's womb in a dark place before life can come, our faith in Jesus Christ is much like that. Just like Jesus had to go into a dark tomb before we could have a day like today, you and I are going to be in dark places. But we should not fear because it's in the dark that I believe God does some of his best work. And you and I are living proof of that. Recently, Pastor Eugene Cho was in Baltimore, and he said this. He says, we're often attracted to a gospel that comforts us about our, um, or excuse me, we're attracted to a gospel that comforts us, but are rarely compelled by a gospel that disrupts us. In reality, the gospel does both because we need both. Now today, I just want to tell you, I want the music, I want the Lord's table to bring us comfort, but I want to make us uncomfortable just for a few minutes. The gospel should be a light into the dark places of our life. The gospel should be allowed to go anywhere and everywhere. And there are two groups of people in this room, even in the midst of all of the languages and the diversity and the way that we look differently, there's really only two segments of our church. There are those here that have yet to put their trust in Jesus Christ, and then there is the rest of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ. There is no other division amongst us. And so what we have to do today is I want to extend an invitation to you who have yet to put your trust in Jesus to say, follow Christ's example. When he was on the cross in Luke 23, 46, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he died. And because his willingness to put his hands in the trusting hands of the Father in heaven, you and I have life. Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay in the dark place. He was resurrected to life and wasn't just resurrected from being dead to alive. He went from being dead to Lord over everything. And so for you and me today, why do we not say, God, you are trustworthy with my life? There are so many examples in this, air, in this courtyard this morning of people that have said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we have allowed ourselves to stay there. And God is doing miraculous things in today above all days. For those of you that are still doubting, we say to you with confidence, He is trustworthy. Then for the rest of us, back to Luke chapter 24. In this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus has been resurrected. It is no longer the darkness of Good Friday. It is no longer the mystery of the Saturday. It is now life with a resurrected Jesus And in Luke 24, we find Jesus walking on a road with two men. One is named uh, Cleopas. And when Jesus was walking with these men, let me describe in one word what these men were. Disappointed. Can I tell all of us in here today, in just a direct way, Jesus can handle you being disappointed in him. These men thought Jesus was going to do one thing, and he didn't do it. These men thought when Jesus initially responded, why are you so down? They're like, well, where have you been? Where, where Did you just realize that this man, this prophet, this one we thought 
was going to do this, didn't do it. And for you and I here today, I just want to say Jesus can handle us being disappointed in him. He is often going to be doing something different than what you and I think he should be doing. And I need that to settle into our souls today because many of you in here believe in Jesus. And because I'm talking to people that believe in Jesus, you've already tuned me out because you don't think you can learn anything today because it's about a resurrected Jesus and you believe in him. But yet you're stymied in your faith and you don't have the aroma of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has disappointed you. You've prayed for him to do something and he hasn't done it. You've prayed for him to change lives around you and they are still in turmoil. And you are in a moment today where it's an Emmaus opportunity for you to walk alongside him. And much like the scripture said, that once Jesus left them, they looked at one another like, man, what is this stirring in my heart? Because Jesus got into their hearts. And then as soon as he left these men, these men ran to the locked upper room. And I love John's gospel because they had locked it, like double locked it, and had taken all these locks, like many of you in your row homes. You've had all these locks on your door trying to keep people out. You are a disciple of Jesus if you have more than one lock on your front door. And these men that were in this room were gripped in fear. The first group was gripped in disappointment. The second group were gripped in the group of people that were gripped in fear. They were expecting a different outcome in Jerusalem as well. They thought that the Jesus they were following was not going to be the one getting beaten. He was going to give the beat down. They thought that Jesus was the one that was going to push Rome out, take away the oppression of the religious leaders. And they were in this room, gripped in fear, believing that Jesus was dead. And then he shows up. Now, I just, I got to tell you this. I can't wait for the day to see what my resurrected body can do. My wife is praising Jesus for that as well. But I am looking forward to the fact of one day, like Christ, because I've been promised what was given to Christ will be given to me, just as well as what he's been, will be given to you. And so let me tell you a couple of things that we learned from the life of Jesus, some, some quick facts. We have to learn to stand in our pain. If you live in a Baltimore zip code, you will daily be challenged to stand in your pain. If you're in a relationship with somebody else, if you're not secluded, which obviously that means you're here, that's not the case of all of us. If people are sitting next to you, you will be disappointed. If people are sitting next to you, you will live in fear. You will feel the fear of, you might, you might this morning be an immigrant and you see a white man and think, I automatically want you deported. You might be an African-American person in this room and you might automatically look at somebody like me and think that I just have judgment and condemnation for you. If we look at one another without Jesus Christ, we are always going to be disappointed. We're always going to be bound up by fear. And it's in Jesus Christ that we can overcome those disappointments and those painful experiences. But let me just tell you this. Jesus did not get to avoid his pain. So if you and I are following Jesus and he didn't get to avoid his pain, are you and I going to get to avoid ours? So often we want to be on this path of avoidance, but the way that the Hebrew writer talks about it is is that Jesus actually endured his pain for the joy that was set before him. So he had to go through it so that he could get to his joy. And I just want to tell you in here today, we just barely cracked the surface in our praise and worship this morning of what joy looks like when you and I realize that we've broken through our pain. 
when you and I have broken through the suffering and we find the language of heaven, which is joy, when we step into that, you and I are going to have a different tone and a different voice. We have to go through the pain to get to our joy. But the thing that we have in Jesus is that he promises to do it with us. I don't know about you, but in the 11 and a half years I've lived in Baltimore City, most of my days feel like spiritual Fridays. Most of my days in Baltimore do not feel like spiritual Sundays. We don't, I don't walk around 90% of the time of my life here in Baltimore like, Jesus is alive! I'm generally like, Jesus, are you alive? I'm like, where's the power? Where's the blood? Where is the victory? But I love the way that Peaches read that scriptures to us today. And how at the very end, she emphasized the fact that Jesus' words to his disciples now was, peace be to you. He had already calmed storms. He had already provided miraculous um, miracles all in other ways. And if we can go back to John's account, when Jesus spoke at the beginning, things happened. Could you imagine now the, the one that spoke the world into existence? seeing what these people, these men and women locked in this room needed. They were in turmoil, disappointment, and fear. And Jesus is like, peace. These were healing words. This isn't a greeting like, salut, or hallelujah, or hey. This is Jesus seeing what they need and looking at them and saying, peace to you. And peace to you. Because they needed a miracle in their spirit. And you and I need that same miracle today. The disciples thought Jesus was dead. And I believe on many occasions the church still acts like Jesus is dead. But for us today, there are so many wars in our homes, so many wars in our communities, so many wars in our city, so many wars, rumors of wars around our world today that I just want to say this with confidence from what I've experienced in my relationship with Christ and what I believe is backed up by scriptures. The only war that will end all wars is the war for the human heart. We are in a situation where we are heartbroken for what we see. But the war that is really raging is the war for the human heart. The only war that will end all wars is the war for the human heart. We will not have peace with all the problems that we plead and petition with God to until we have peace in our hearts. Not our hearts. I'm looking eyeball to eyeball to all of you, and I'm looking in a mirror right now in the reflection in my iPad saying to myself, we will not have the peace in the world until God brings peace to my heart into your heart. The disciples were paralyzed by fear, and Jesus says, peace to you. The, the, the men from Emmaus were in the room. They were gripped by disappointment. Peace to you. And Jesus came to them. He thought, the, the, men, the people in the room, we need freedom from Rome. We need freedom from oppression. We need freedom from violence. We need freedom from poverty. We need freedom from the religious leaders. And Jesus is like, no, you need peace in you. And if we're not careful, we'll go around real, not realizing 
that God has not completed the work in us, that we are all under construction. Jesus did not come to set us free from oppressive dictators. Jesus came to free you from you and to free me from me. That's what Jesus came for. And he came for us in that. And here's the thing. This is the prayers that I hear many times when we have times of prayer together. God, fix my life. And so we pray, God, fix my life. And then God says, okay, let me start by fixing you. And then our response is, no thanks. I want you to fix my wife. I want you to fix my kids. I want you to fix my neighbors that are strung out on heroin. I want you to fix the kids in my community. I want you to fix the people that keep making me put more locks on my doors. And God's like, no, I want to start by fixing you. We cannot take to the world what we do not have. Peace I give to you. Let God fix the one thing that you and I can control, and that is me, and that is you. Imagine what we could do with the numbers of people in this room if you and I were resolute and determined to let God complete a work in us. How we would smell of the aroma of Christ in our homes and in our communities, and how we wouldn't be compounding the problems in our society when we respond like the world with our jealousy and our anger and our rage and all of our other temptations that tackle us, and then we just become a contributor to the problems that are in our neighborhoods and our communities. But what we need to be crying out with is, God, would you please bring peace to my heart so that when I leave here, I can take your peace and say peace to your heart because that is good news that Jesus can do that for us. Jesus trusted his Father in heaven with his life. Jesus brings peace to you and me. But Jesus also unlocked deep mysteries for them. If you were to continue on in Luke 24 and the end of the Gospel of John, you will find over and over again where they were just like, wow, we never saw that in Scripture before. I never saw that before. I didn't put those dots together. I I don't understand. If you and I allow God to begin to keep working in our hearts, Not realizing, well, I prayed for salvation, now I'm perfect. No, we have a work that needs to be completed, and we have a mission to go. That's what Pentecost was all about. The breath of God said, go. It was like the breath of God was saying, you are sails on a ship, and I'm just going to now push you. But many of you are gripped in fear and paralyzed because you don't know where to go, and God's like, I don't care, just get up. Wake up and go. Go to work. Go to your favorite restaurant. Go sit on your front stoop. But just go, and when people come by you, say peace to you. Overcome those disappointments. Overcome those fears. The thing that I love about the way John's gospel ends, is it says in this upper room moment that he breathed on them. In Luke, it just says that he spoke peace to them, but this is breathed on them. And now this just feels awkward. I have a closeness proximity issue with people when they're talking to me. If you are close enough for me to feel your breath, you're too close. Okay? Now, some of us, we can smell each other's breath from too far away, but that's not the issue here. The, the goal is feeling each other's breath. But you understand that this is what Jesus was doing? Because where do we find the breath of God the first time? Jesus spoke the creation into instance. But when God was thinking of you and me, he was on the ground doing this, fashioning us. 
And then he put his face to our face and he breathed into us and we were, life. So why after the resurrection was Jesus breathing on these people? Because on the inside we're dead. We're dead on the inside. And we need the life breath of God, the spirit of the living God in us to work peace into our hearts so that when we look at each other, we don't look with anger, we don't look with rage, we don't look with temptation, we don't look with disappointments and the colors of our skin and the differences between us. We look with the love of God expressed through Jesus Christ. And when the Spirit came on them, they came out of that room alive on the inside. They, for the first time, had been given peace to themselves. And then they were required to steward it. You can't get much farther in Acts chapter 15 and realize that you don't just need the breath of God once. You need the breath of God daily. You and I can't take a breath today and hold it until church next Sunday. We will be doing 250 funerals. We cannot do that. You and I need to breathe in God, peace to you. Breathe in God, peace to you all day long, every day. And Jesus is going to come back for us. But until then, we continue to breathe in God's words so that we can breathe out those same words. Peace to you. There's two ways that we can respond here today. I'm going to invite any of our elders or pastors that want to make themselves available by open spaces. There's actually a seating area behind this gallery sign where if you want private prayer, you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to say, I trust you, Christ. You want to approach him and say, I want you to have my life. You can turn to the person next to you that brought you. They'll be happy to continue to say that is the start is just saying into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then you tell somebody that you did that. So we're going to be able to respond in prayer as you see familiar spiritual leaders that you need. But we're also going to come to the table. There's several of these placed around. And I'm going to ask our gallery family to guide this by example as quickly as possible. So don't wait and wait and wait. Just get up. Because when we come to the table in our downtown church family right now in the spirit of the way that we're doing it, we surround it as many people as we can pack around it. And then, for those of you, there is a gluten-free option, so you can participate in this if you're fearful of that. But you grab a piece of the bread, and everybody holds on to it. And everybody watch me just for a minute. You hold on to it. And then you look each other in the face and said, His body was broken for you. This isn't for one elder to say to you. This is for you to say to each other, because we have got to practice telling the greatest story of all times. And if you are always hearing it but never saying it, you're not practicing it. You're just taking it in. But the Lord's table is for you and I to say his body was broken for you and to be reminded of that truth but speak that truth to somebody else. And then we dip it into the cup and then we look at one another and say this is his blood poured out for you. This is his blood for us. This is his forgiveness of sins. And you don't have to say all that. You just say, forgiveness of sins. This is his blood. And then you take it together. And then we remind each other, Christ has died, but Christ is risen, and Christ is coming. coming.